Betty jokingly, as I got down earlier, said, how did you know I had a frenzied week? And I said, well, my week was frenzied, so I assumed everyone else's was. I also feel like I have felt the weighty reality of the world a lot this week. So I don't know if that's true for you or not, but I'd like to go to God about it before we talk this morning. God, you are our gracious king. It is something we believe and something we wish to believe. And we pray, Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. Help our unbelief. As we yield to you, reveal your scriptures to us and the truth of who you are. In the name of Jesus, amen. The weather here in Kansas is a little bit unpredictable. Of course, much of our nation thinks that they're special, right, in terms of unpredictable weather. And anytime there's a picture on the internet proclaiming everybody gets a season, all seasons in one day, it gets passed around and plastered over to say whatever state you live in, right? But it is certainly true that Kansas has odd and unexpected weather. When the wind is blowing down from Canada is a different universe from when it's blowing up from the Gulf of Mexico. The storms that come in from the east are very different from the storms that come from the west. Some days when we wake up, we had snow overnight and predictions for the next day in the 50s, and that was just last week. One of the most challenging things about unpredictable weather is knowing what you're going to wear out of the house. Anyone leaving the morning early may exit their home to temperatures in the teens or 20s and then expect a 30 or 40 degree temperature shift by the middle of the day. And so how do we plan for this? We add layers, right? We plot about uh, scarves or vests and then over jackets and then raincoats. (laughs) And we prep boots for the morning snow, but we leave sneakers in our backpack just in case later in the day it's not quite the weather for those shoes. Clothes are a necessity, but sometimes it can be difficult to know what to wear and when to wear it for maximum comfort, efficiency, and usefulness. The text that we're going to read today is from the book of Colossians. It's a letter probably written by Paul to a church in Colossae. They may not have had as strange weather as we do, being sort of much closer to the Mediterranean, but the question being answered and asked in this text is about being clothed with other kinds of things, not outerwear or shoes, but essential virtues to live like Christ. This is a portion of kind of instruction and encouragement from the writer to the church to help them consider the actions in their life and how to be ready in every situation to demonstrate their devotion to the Lord. So we're going to read from Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another 
in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So this text starts off with a clear statement of identity, a reminder of their position and role within the work of God. They are the chosen ones, distinguished by God, and because of that, they are holy and beloved. Holy, signifying that they're distinct, set apart specifically for the use of God's kingdom, and beloved to indicate that they're not a part of God's family out of practicality or obligation in the same way that one who loves is obligated. Then they get this instruction, because of who you are and why you are these things, you should clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, with humility, meekness, and patience. So what does it mean for the author and those who are listening to be clothed in these virtues? To be clothed is a very specific and distinct word choice that they're using here. And I think it would help us if we can kind of unpack what might be buried underneath this so that we can better understand what the text means. We know that clothing is something that we choose. It's not something that's inborn or innate in us. It's uh, for expressing ourselves at times, for practicalities and concerns about our context and environment. It showing up in a prom dress to go grocery shopping might not be a common practice, but it's not problematic, at least not in the same level of difficulty as it might be going rock climbing in a prom dress. And the things that we wear demonstrate our awareness of the context that we're in, the environment that we find ourselves in. Some people prefer to dress comfortably as a principle. It's a hard and fast rule. While some people operate on the principle that it's better to be overdressed than underdressed in any given situation. Each of these is a reflection of ourselves and the way that we operate in the world, the way that we want to show up in our external circumstances. So this concept of clothing ourselves in these Christ-like virtues, the author tells us that we should choose to express ourselves as those ready to take on life through these central virtues. It is consciously done, and it is something that shifts depending on the context that we find ourselves in letting a given virtue or value lead by necessity of the circumstance. Sometimes, compassion is the main piece that we wear. At other times, humility. But each of these virtues is worn as a part of our everyday life. Within Christian spaces in America, we sometimes struggle with amending these virtues, editing them so that they are more palatable to us, more advantageous to our circumstance. It is not often those outside of Christian spaces who will warp these values first, but we usually lead the pack. We try to have it all. Cultural advantage, religious success. We live our lives as if the writer had said, clothe yourselves with compassion for those who deserve it. 
kindness for those who are kind to you first. Humility when it will make you look good. Meekness or submission, but not if somebody's trying to take advantage of you. And patience, uh, except, of course, if you're in a hurry. Truly, it can be a poison to us to choose this lesser version of these virtues. And it weakens our testimony of faith to those outside when we do not live these out in purity, taking the instructions in the text seriously. The author leads into the next section with a reminder about living clothed in these things, meaning putting up with each other. Even more than that, the text says, bear the burdens of those around you. That might be difficult enough in itself, certainly, but it's followed up by a statement that continues the idea, forgive each other if you have a complaint against one another. Even as I read it, (laughs) I could feel my own resistance to it, right? Because it's not as if the text said only when it's justifiable. The reminder given is enough to shut up the voice in my head, as God has forgiven you, so also you forgive others. Forgiveness is this necessary element to continuing in a community. With other people, there must be forgiveness. And the verse following details this most central virtue that allows forgiveness to live, which is love. If you clothe yourself with love first, every other thing can be brought together in perfect harmony to create a peaceful community, allowing for a flourishing fellowship of believers. By love, the whole thing is made possible. Through love, that which would be discordant, conflicting, at odds, can be brought together with one purpose and direction. The text then shifts the focus to an encouragement of peace, peace that is of Christ, a peace that is central to our faith. It says that through this peace, we were called into one body, that is the body of Christ or the church. This is not an accessory, this peace, but a central demonstration of our choice to be a part of the kingdom of God. And this peace, it says, should rule in our hearts as a defining element, as a force for instruction. Our larger world is often ruled by fear. The decisions that we make, the decisions that our culture makes, are often out of our own fear. It is far easier to be fearful than it is to be peaceful. Far easier to give in to our anxiety or sometimes even to seek it out, to create it, than it is to be peaceful. Rather than allowing peace to take over. But being Christian believers, the text tells us, means allowing peace to define us. Peace not ignoring the world or the circumstances, but resting over and around our anxieties as a significant force and reminding us of God's assurance. 
The writer tells us, as these things begin to be true in you, it gives the word of Christ, not the word of God, but the teachings of Christ and who is God, room to grow. And we are called to express these beliefs and values through singing, through sharing with one another, through hymns, through art. We do not teach out of ignorance, it says, but out of the wisdom that is given from God. And education does not give you wisdom, though it can help, but rather God gives wisdom. And in this case, God, by the presence of the teaching of Christ, lived out in our lives. And from that flow gratitude, expressed in our music, in our art, in our poetry, in our worship. The final portion of this text describes a larger principle, an attempt by the writer to help the readers, then and us now, to see how they can understand their actions. You can almost see the writer shaking their head saying, okay, what I meant by all of that was this. Make your actions through Jesus in gratitude to God. Every last one. The smaller details of how we live out a life of kindness and compassion and gratitude are necessary because we don't live in a theoretical world. Our world is grounded in reality, and so it is necessary for us to understand application. What does it mean? What does it look like? But now we pivot, and this is a concept rather than a specific demonstration. When we do things in our everyday, washing dishes, filing paperwork, turning in school assignments, watering plants, hanging out with our friends, we have the chance to do each of these things while being mindful of Christ, while being thankful to God. These virtues, the author says, do not have to be perfect, dramatic demonstrations of Christ, but should be also small, ordinary, everyday living expressed through Christ's virtues. We believe that God is love, and so our lives must look like it. And bringing all of these ideas together, we're able to see more of what it might mean to be clothed in Christ. To make love our default virtue, even when it works against us. To prioritize peace, not allowing ourselves to get swept up in the familiar comfort of worry. To be people whose lives are marked by gratitude. To practice being kind, being humble, being patient, being submissive, being compassionate. To support and forgive others, regardless of their repentance, in order that we might express God's forgiveness as it has been given to us. And in these ways and in so many more, we are to show ourselves as Christ-like in each context through our own desire to make every element of our life for God's glory. Pretty easy, right? Okay, maybe it sounds a little overwhelming, complicated. How do we know which circumstances need which virtues? How can we even keep them all straight in our heads? Well, the writer gave us two principles to sort of hang our hat on. Did you catch them? 
the first is sort of the root of our action and the second is our goal. Above all, the text tells us, above all other things, clothe yourselves with love, which binds all the rest together in perfect unity. In describing love in this way, we can see that for Christians, love is the central tenet out of the love that God has shown to us. First Peter says, love covers over a multitude of sins. And in our case, love is what empowers kindness and compassion and patience and forgiveness and peace. If we lead with love, we won't be offended when someone has told us that our actions hurt them. Because our desire to love that person well will override our own immediate defensiveness of our own intention of that action. If we lead with love, we will maintain healthy boundaries at work to ensure that our family gets the attention that they need at home. If we lead with love, we can choose submission and humility because our values shift away from power and control to care of others and care for self. It is only love that makes any of the rest of them possible. It is love that binds them together into something usable, wearable, functional. And when we put on that cloak, this coat of all virtues, sewn into this lining of love, then we can begin to live in a way that gives God glory. Even when we are in a moment where we doubt our own ability to live righteously, even when we act mindlessly in our everyday Our choice to put on love, and by consequence all the rest, means that we can always live like Christ. You've been listening to me, Pastor Kana Moore, at Hayes Christian Church. Hayes Christian Church is a non-denominational fellowship in Hayes, Kansas. We are supported by the generosity of our members, attenders, and friends. The financial support we raise goes to projects which further spread the gospel to those who do not yet know Jesus, to those local, national, and international missions, and they help keep these podcasts free. If you would like to share a monetary gift with us, please visit our website at hayeschristianchurch.org and click on the donate button, or you may mail your gift to P.O. Box 1111, Hayes, Kansas, 67601. If you have any questions, comments, or would like more information, we would love to hear from you. Simply go to our website and click on the Contact Us form. Thank you for your generosity, and may God bless you as you seek to follow him.